Hello, my rebels. In today's show, I tell you the best I can what's going on in the United Kingdom. Boris Johnson found throwing Christmas parties last year when he locked down everyone else, including Queen Elizabeth, who wasn't allowed to sit next to anyone at her own husband's funeral. She was all alone in the church wearing a mask because Boris Johnson said so. Meanwhile, he and his insiders were partying. I'll tell you a little bit about it, and some, I'll show you some video too. I'd like to have you subscribe to Rebel News Plus because I want you to see the video. This podcast, obviously, you'll just hear it, but this video shows Jacob Rees-Mogg, a senior Tory, at a party joking about, well, we have two inches of separation, not two meters, just to see these snobby insiders laughing at the rules they put on everyone else. I'd love you to see the video of that. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com and click subscribe. You get the video version of this podcast. All right, here's today's show. Tonight, the latest on the lockdown madness. It's December 8th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. The United Kingdom has had some atrocious policies during the pandemic, but they're also, I guess in some ways, they've been a little more sensible than us here in Canada. An example of that is they respect natural immunity. That is, if you get COVID-19 and recover, so your body has naturally made the antibodies to the virus, uh, in the UK, they don't force you to take vaccines like they do here in Canada. Why would they? You've already got the antibodies. They're also less mask insane than we are over here. Although not always. Take a look at this. Not exempt. I'm, right. I'm exempt, so I don't need a mask. So, you're telling me you're so exempt. mind your business, yeah? Okay. Mind okay. your business. You don't need to ask so me I'm do, if I'm exempt. It's your no, you don't need to ask me. It's not your business. What I'm going to do with you now, yeah? I'm going to ask you why you're exempt. In, in terms you don't of, need to worry. It's my medical right, history. I'm not asking fine. your medical history. So don't worry. No, you won't. No, you won't. I'll be going. No, you won't. You don't even have your mask on properly. Look at this guy. He's got his nose out and he's trying to right. tell me to wear a mask right, ordering a subway right, when I'm exempt for right, asthma. So right, mind listen, your business. Listen to me. And let me go on my journey. They get a lot of things wrong over there, but they seemed to pull back from the brink at least once or twice. They had proposed vaccine passports, but then they stopped. I think part of the reason is that there is a diversity in their media on the subject that we lack here in Canada, that there is a diversity even in their ruling Conservative Party. It doesn't have anywhere the same party discipline as we have here in Canada. So individual Conservative MPs in the UK regularly criticize the Prime Minister or defect from his bills, and that isn't cause to sack them. I don't even know if their Prime Minister can, unlike our rigid party discipline here. Uh, even if you were to say that people in Canada opposed to vax mandates are just 10% of the population, I believe it's higher. Where are the 10% of MPs saying that? Was 1% of the MPs saying that? 1%. That would mean three MPs in Canada. 
but there's not one. When Marilyn Gladue talked about a Freedom Caucus to bring some common sense to things, she was immediately disciplined and humiliated by Aaron O'Toole, who shows far more rage towards his own conservative MPs than anything Trudeau has ever done. But back to the United Kingdom. There's a scandal there now because while the government ordered ordinary Brits to cancel Christmas last year and to stop visiting grandparents and not to mix households, they seriously had something called the rule of six, limiting your social circle. They, they actually banned singing. What? It was crazy. While the government was doing all that, while they were ordering other people around like that, they themselves didn't follow it for a moment. Not their senior advisor, Dominic Cummings. Not the top scientist telling everyone not to mix and mingle while well, he was caught zipping around the city having a torrid affair. Just so gross. The health minister himself, an idiot named Matt Hancock, he didn't even bother running around the city. Uh, he was a homewrecker right from the parliament buildings themselves. He was caught by one of the United Kingdom's ubiquitous surveillance cameras. I don't like spy cameras, but it's a bit of karma that a spy camera caught the politician who installed the spy camera. But my point is nobody in power follows the rules, except for Queen Elizabeth, whose husband of more than 70 years died, and she followed the rules sitting by herself alone with a mask on at his funeral. What a disgrace. She followed these pointless rules, but none of the politicians or bureaucrats did. And so... Today comes news that precisely when Boris Johnson was ordering citizens not to gather, why, there were a bunch of Christmas parties last year at 10 Downing Street. It seemed to start as sort of a hot mic moment. This story broke. Take a look at this. I've just seen reports on Twitter that there was a Downing Street Christmas party on Friday night. Do you recognize those reports? <laughs> I went home. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Um, uh, uh... Would the Prime Minister condone uh, having a Christmas? What's the answer? I don't know. I didn't want the party. It was cheese and wine. Just clear, it's not <laughs> is cheese and wine all right? No. It's a business meeting. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> this is recorded. This fictional party was a business meeting. And it was not socially distanced. Um, one more, and then we'll... One more. And then video the party itself. Here's Jacob Rees-Mogg, a Conservative. Take a look. Well, ladies and gentlemen, my lords, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you all very much for coming. Uh, I heard that the comedian was speaking after me, and then Glenn started, and I thought, well, clearly it's going to be a whole evening of, um, of comedians, but I'm going to be bold. <laughs> I, well, I may get to jokes at the end, but I've done from the 18th century joke book, um, which most of you won't find funny, but I find absolutely hilarious. But there we go. Um, um, Mark was saying that we've had a couple of years of made people think that we should have lots of regulation, and it's been difficult for those of us who believe in free markets and free enterprise. But I'm going to disagree in a Christmassy sense, because I see we're all here obeying regulations, aren't we? I mean, this party is not going to be investigated by the police in a year's time. You are all, you are all very carefully socially distanced. <laughs> We've moved, I'm pleased to tell you, from the metric back to the imperial system. I know you're at least two inches. <laughs> oh, ho, what a laugh. Imperial measure, not metric, not two meters, but two inches separation. <laughs> what a droll man. Two inches, not two meters. You get it? It's so funny. Ha, 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 ha. 
No prison for him, no police bullying for him, certainly no masks for him. That's all performance art. This was a party for the elite insiders. They don't follow the rules. Two inches, not two meters. <laughs> Just the working classes and the queen. Not the politicians, not the rulers, not the fancy people. But it looks like not only will Christmas be banned this year, a new lockdown put on Brits, but Vax passes are back, as if they weren't just waiting for the right moment. It's now the proportionate and the responsible thing to move to Plan B in England, while continuing to work closely with our colleagues in the devolved administrations, so we slow the spread of the virus, buy ourselves the time to get yet more boosters into arms, and especially in the older and more vulnerable people, and understand the answers to the key outstanding questions about Omicron. So, first, we will reintroduce the guidance to work from home. Guidance to work from home. Employers should use the rest of the week to discuss working arrangements with their employees, but from Monday, you should work from home if you can. Go to work if you must, but work from home if you can. All right? I know this will be hard uh, for, uh, for many people, but by reducing your contacts in the workplace, you will help slow transmission. Second, from this Friday, we will further extend the legal requirement to wear a face mask to most, to most public indoor venues, including theatres and cinemas. There will be, of course, exceptions where it's not practical, such as when eating, drinking, exercising or singing. Third, we'll also make the NHS COVID pass mandatory for entry into nightclubs and venues where large crowds gather, including unseated indoor venues with more than 500 people, unseated outdoor venues with more than 4,000 people, and any venue with more than 10,000 people. The NHS COVID pass can still be obtained with two doses, but we will keep this under review as the boosters roll out. And having taken clinical advice since the emergence of Omicron, a negative lateral flow test will also be sufficient. It's so obviously an attempt to distract from the Prime Minister's scandal, but the excuse is the Omicron virus, except that in the United Kingdom, not only has no one died from it, not a single person has been hospitalized by it. How many of those who have tested positive in the UK are ill? Secretary of State. The, the number of uh, confirmed cases in, in the UK is 336. Uh, they are all by definition infected. They will have been various, uh, some, some may be asymptomatic, others uh, will be feeling ill. Uh, none of them so far, as far, my, uh, as far as I am aware, have been hospitalised. Makes sense. Um, that's what all the doctors in South Africa have been saying. The overall uh, patients uh, that was recorded yesterday was 3,000 and around about 3,700. So our positivity rate is 9.2%. Um, it is, yes, it is, it is more than we would have loved um, it to be. But looking at the mildness of the symptoms that we are seeing, currently there's no reason for panicking as we don't see severely ill patients. But listen, Pfizer has products to sell. Boris Johnson has a scandal to distract from. But let me ask you this. Isn't it odd that the infections seem to be climbing precisely as vaccine use is going up too? Isn't that weird? Isn't it supposed to be the opposite? Well, look at this. 
This is from, as you can see, a U.S. government agency called the National Institutes of Health. That's Anthony Fauci's company. It's a department. It's an agency of the U.S. government. Uh, this is a published scientific paper by pandemic researchers. This is a U.S. government website specialized in health. Uh, this is not some skeptical right-wing political opinion I'm reading from. Uh, I'm, I'm going to read to you from the abstract, which is a technical way of saying a summary of the study. Uh, the study is called Mechanisms of SARS Coronavirus 2 Evolution Revealing Vaccine Resistant Mutations in Europe and America. Okay, just a reminder, SARS COVID-2, that's the technical name for COVID-19. I'm just going to read that phrase as COVID-19 from now. But the headline it basically means, why are there vaccine-resistant versions of the virus now? I mean, aren't you curious? Everywhere you look, people who are double or even triple vaccinated are getting the virus again and passing it on to others again. How did that happen? I'm going to read this slowly because it's, it's dense language, okay? The importance of understanding COVID evolution cannot be overlooked. Recent studies confirm that natural selection is the dominating mechanism of COVID evolution, which favors mutations that strengthen viral infectivity. All right, so natural selection and evolution, that means the virus is changing to become more infectious. I'll keep reading. Here we demonstrate that vaccine breakthrough or antibody-resistant mutations provide a new mechanism of viral evolution, specifically vaccine-resistant mutation Y449S in the spike S protein receptor binding domain, which occurred in commutations Y449S and N501Y, has reduced infectivity compared to that of the original SARS-CoV virus, but can disrupt existing antibodies that neutralize the virus. Okay, let me try and translate into English. Vaccine break breakthroughs, that's just what it sounds like. It's when the vaccine doesn't stop the virus. We're seeing more and more of that. But here's the key sentence, I think. Here's the one you really want to understand. By tracking the evolutionary trajectories of vaccine-resistant mutations in more than 2.2 million COVID genomes, we reveal that the occurrence and frequency of vaccine mutations, vaccine-resistant mutations, correlate strongly with the vaccination rates in Europe and America. Okay, did you get that? Correlate strongly. So the more a place is vaccinated, the more breakthrough mutations of the virus appear. I didn't say this. The National Institutes of Health published a study that says this. Let's, let's read this part really slowly. We anticipate that as a complementary transmission pathway, vaccine breakthrough or antibody-resistant mutations like those in Omicron will become a dominating mechanism of COVID evolution when most of the world's population is either vaccinated or infected. So these scientists are predicting that vaccine-busting viruses, these new mutations, will become dominant. I'm just reading what they're saying. And the good news is, as you just heard, Omicron is so mild, there's no reports of anyone being hospitalized for it. I think we have a word for that, catching a cold. And in fact, if you get natural immunity from Omicron, and if no one is so sick that they need to go to the hospital, that's a pretty good outcome. Uh, in fact, if you can get such a mild virus that no one ever gets really sick, isn't that better than a 
Pfizer vaccine that can cause side effects like myocarditis or even say death? Like isn't Omicron actually effectively a vaccine? Except of course, Pfizer doesn't get rich off the Omicron virus. They get rich off selling you drugs to fight the harmless Omicron virus. Last sentence in the study's abstract. Our study sheds light on COVID evolution and transmission and enables the design of the next generation mutation-proof vaccines and antibody drugs. Yeah, maybe, or maybe you don't have to end with a marketing pitch for more vaccines and more drugs. I think we're pretty much vaccined out and drugged up right now. And I think this entire paper, until this sentence, makes the opposite point. The vaccines aren't stopping the new mutations. But hey, look, I mean, come on. Pfizer's got to get paid, and Boris Johnson has to change the subject, and the media party needs to keep you scared. So that's what's going to happen. It has nothing to do with being healthy or not. Stay with us for more. I'm happy here. I'm going to wait, because what he's trying to do is actually unlawful. We're not in... You don't have to like our network, but you can't... um, You can't expel us from a press conference. Then suddenly I see Daniel Andrews himself walking towards me. Mr. Premier, do you think it's okay for the media to be shut down at your press conference just because they criticise you? Mr. Premier, are you okay with this? This seems a bit like communist China, not Victoria. I didn't realise at the time why he didn't even look my way, as if he was purposely avoiding me. But as you're about to see, not only is the Premier okay with it, his office ordered my removal. I've never seen such a thing from a Democratic leader, removing journalists they don't like. Let's go for a walk, Harvey. Yeah, outside the Greens. Do you want to cover me and take me? No, I'll just walk this way, yeah. Who advised that as well? The authorised officers of Parliament House. That is me. And where's the ba- where's the boundaries that this um, journalist uh, can't? So I'm not. So the authorised officers of the Parliament is banning a journalist they don't like. The government doesn't like. Uh, he he certainly doesn't seem like a fan. No, he's watched not. he's watched a few. Yeah. Well, you've come in here with a fake pass on. Um, you've access to the ground. Sorry. Hold on. No 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 no. Hold on. You're being removed. No no no. Hold on. How is that a fake pass? Because it says on the top there, this is not a security card, doesn't it? That's not a fake. It's a media. They asked me for my media pass. How how is that a fake pass? That's that's issued by the federal government. Why are you being removed? That is a frustrating video. It goes on. There's another part of it where a cop says the specific reason that Avi Yemeni, our chief Australian correspondent, was frog marched out of there, despite being permitted entry by a sentry, is because they didn't know what kind of questions he was going to ask. They couldn't have been more brazen about it. Atrocious. It's what we go through in some parts of Canada sometimes too, Daniel Andrews, the communist sympathizing premier of the state of Victoria. Well, we got some amazing news and here to tell us about it himself is our friend, 
Avimini. Avi, great to see you. Thanks for getting up very early in the morning, time zone-wise, to do this interview. I appreciate it. How are you doing? That burned me up just to see that again and how they said you got a fake ID and how they manhandled you. And the video gets worse, by the way. But you've got some good news, don't you? Absolutely. We've had our very first win on this matter, which has been a long time coming. That was in the beginning of um, 2021. And even just watching it back there, Ezra, it, it shocks me like it happened um, as if it happened yesterday. Now, the government has been trying to stop this for months, you know, because behind the scenes we've been fighting this and trying to be trying to get in there. And uh, they've been dragging their feet. And not only that, they've tried to get the court to drag their feet. But yesterday, uh, thankfully, we had a, a really big win that uh, the, the court has decided, has ruled, that uh, this is going to be expedited from here on in. So... They're fighting against you. The cops are banning you. Uh, Premier Dan Andrews, and when I say he's a communist, I'm not saying that as an insult, even though I find it uh, a negative uh, attribute of someone. He really is a sympathizer for communist China. He went to Beijing. He signed a secret treaty with them to put Victoria under the Belt and Road colonization plan. It had to be rebuked from the federal government of Australia. He really is a communist sympathizer. I'm not saying that as a meanie, he just is. Um, he hates you. And so he's marshaled the whole power of the legislature to keep you out. And we hired lawyers theory. to get you in. It's and, and yesterday the court said the government can't delay any longer. We need the soonest possible court date possible. Is that a summary of what the judge said, basically? Absolutely. And Ezra, it's, it's not a conspiracy theory. He, in that video, if you go back and watch it, it was his staffer that ordered uh, ordered me being frog marched out of there. So uh, it's, it's outrageous, but, but the court sees the urgency in this, especially leading up to an election. So hopefully uh, this is the first of many wins, not only in this specific matter, in, in all the matters we're running here. As we know, they can take a very long time. My case against the police is already a year and a half in. Uh, but now that this one's expedited, we expect to have some really big movement in the beginning of the year. You know, it reminds me of when the Canadian government kept us out of the federal leaders debate. They did it in 2019. They tried it again in 2021. In both instances, we were able to get into court on a very expedited basis, like in a matter of days. And in both cases, it was a bit of a miracle. We won. And I got to tell you, Avi, that has given me a lot of hope because if we would have lost that and all the other setbacks, I'd say, really, we've got no chance. But having those, having the Federal Court of Canada say, no, this is wrong to keep out a journalist just because you don't like them. That gave me a lot of hope. And I'm, I'm hopeful based on what happened in this, uh, in this uh, court hearing yesterday. I'm hopeful they'll do the same for you. And it, from what you told me, and we spoke about this uh, yesterday when, after it happened, um, it made a big impression on even the mainstream media. I saw lots of reports of this from rival journalists who don't like you, and they use lots of mean words like, you know, right-wing YouTuber, Avi Yamin, like they were trying to be very condescending, but they couldn't deny it. This was a big win for press freedom, even they, if they had to grudgingly give you credit. Absolutely. It's, uh, you had to read the full article from the mainstream media yesterday. All their articles were the same. The headline 
uh, wasn't as impressive as what really happened. But when you read it and you understood the government was trying to have this heard in September next year, and uh, we've managed to pull it all the way back to March, and uh, they're not very happy about it. So, like you say, I, I am hopeful. Yeah, well, listen, we've, we're on a winning streak down there in the courts, uh, just like we are up here. Uh, what's the website for people to go to that you've got this whole story on? What's the best web website for people to, to visit? LetAviReport.com. All right, LetAviReport.com. I sure hope they let you, because I think you're doing a great job. And you're a source of information, not just for our viewers here in Canada, but I think truly around the world. It's quite a coincidence that you happen to be from Melbourne, the epicenter of the most brutal lockdown in the world. Uh, I'm not happy that you're suffering under it, but I'm, uh, I'm sure that millions of Melburnians are grateful that you're there to tell their story, because there's not a lot of other journalists who would. So keep it up, my friend. Thank you, Ezra. All right, there you have it. Avi Yamini, our chief Australian correspondent, who's having successes in court against censorship down there, gives me a little bit of hope. Stay with us. More ahead. Hey, welcome back. Your feedback. Brian Durage says, I have to admit, as of late, I have been changing my view of this guy. This is not the first time I have agreed with him regarding economics and the oil and gas industry. Refreshing to see a major player setting his own path other than what the government and climate change else would have him follow. You're talking about Elon Musk, of course. You know, the irony is that his uh, recent girlfriend, I don't know if they actually were married, her name, her stage name is Grimes. Uh, she's uh, a pretty cool uh, rock star, I'd say. But her mom is a hard left-wing socialist activist in Vancouver. I just, it makes me laugh so hard that Elon Musk, the world's richest man, turbo capitalist, small government aficionado, that his mother-in-law was one of Canada's biggest leftists. Sandy Garasino is her name. Uh, someone with the nickname, don't take booster shots, FFS, says, the answers were way too straightforward for that reporter. She was expecting a 10-minute non-answer that does nothing but contradict itself. Yeah, what I like about Elon Musk is he answers the questions so bluntly and and tersely. Uh, he's, he's a great interviewee. I really like Joe Rogan's interviews of Elon Musk. If, if you're on YouTube, they're so easy to find. Google Joe Rogan, Elon Musk, and Elon Musk is a bit of an amateur philosopher. I like it. Terry McNichol said, Elon Musk, the man who wants and predicts a chip in your head by the end of 2022. Now, a hard pass on this futurist. He's a major part of our present situation. Yeah, he was talking about that neural link um, in that same interview. I didn't include those, but he was talking about it in terms of letting people who are quadriplegics or paraplegics um, get the, uh, the, use their mind to actuate some sort of system to let them walk again. Very futuristic. I'm sure that could be abused. Absolutely, a lot of technology can be. But um, I, what I do, I mean, I think the key ideological point in his whole conversation was not when he said, I don't want government regulation, I don't want government subsidies, government is bad at doing, that's sort of easy to say. I think the most startling thing he said was we need more people in the world and then he joked that he's personally doing something about that. I think he's got six or seven kids. So 
to me, when you say people are key, we need more people, that tells me that he's not part of the Bill Gates globalist extremist set. So I, I like Elon Musk. He's not a perfect man. I don't agree with every word he says, but I like him a lot. Well, that's today's show. On behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. And keep fighting for freedom. And let me leave you with this video from our British reporter, Lewis Brackpool, talking to someone who was given six times the appropriate dose of the vax. See you later. They tell me to sit over in the waiting area. They make you wait 15 minutes usually. About 10 minutes in, the GP comes over to me and says, um, can you come in? Like, there's a little back cubby room away from the main area. He's like, can you come here where you get to talk about something? So I thought he was like joking around with me or something. We go in the back room, just me and the GP, and he says, we forgot to dilute your, your dose. Lewis Brackpool for Rebel News. And in today's report is a harrowing interview I've done with a young man who was given six times the normal dose of their first vaccine just to travel back to their home country of Canada. Now, if you enjoy my work and value me as a reporter for Rebel News, the best way to support me is at ukreporters.com where... I am flying the flag of the UK for Rebel News, so your support there, ukreporters.com, is the best way to support me. Thank you very much and enjoy the report. Could you explain to me the the entire story of why you decided to get the vaccine and then the effects it's had on you after you went and sat down to get the injection? The reason why I wanted, well, I didn't want to get it. The reason why I didn't, get it when I first could just not convinced about all of it obviously I mean one day it's safe one day it's not just back and forth so I already had COVID and I already had like the antibody test so I did have natural immunity I held out as long as I could really just because I wasn't convinced it's necessarily fully safe the reason why I had to get it is to fly back to the UK from Canada because the government puts some law and we need to be vaxxed to fly pretty much any way. At least that's how I interpreted it. There are like a few loopholes, but obviously they're not like they're not guaranteed. It's like a luck of the draw if they work or not. Like you could book a doctor's appointment here and say they can't deny you for that, but then that's just really risking it. I booked online planning to get my first dose here and then return home to get my second dose because here here they make you wait seven or eight weeks and the home it's only 28 days i was gonna get my first dose here go home wait the 28 days and then i'd be fine so when i got to the vaccination site they wanted to give me a moderna and i explained at home they can't give moderna for my age group which is another big questioning point of why it's safe in one place and not safe in the other. And then they were trying to make me mix and I stood my ground and I was like, no, I want the Pfizer. If I'm getting this vaccine, it's going to be the Pfizer one. So I sit down and they're like, do you consent all this? And I said, yes, obviously thinking that I was going to get a proper dose. Um, they give it in my right arm because I'm left-handed and then they tell me to sit over in the waiting area. They make you wait 15 minutes usually, about 10 minutes in. The GP comes over to me and says, um, can you come into like there's a little back cubby room away from the main area? He's like, can you come here where you get to talk about something? So I thought he was like joking around with me or something. We go in the back room, just me and the GP, and he says we forgot to dilute your your dose. And I said, how is that? Like, there's no checks. Like, how is that possible? And obviously, I got a bit mad 
And of course. Their one and only job is to really vaccinate you. It's not that hard to dilute it, right? I would have thought that, you know, because they usually come in little small containers, right? I would have thought that they would have checked that. According to them, the Moderna one, you just put it in the needle and it's good to go, or in the syringe and it's good to go. The Pfizer one, they actually have to dilute. And the vaccinator guy came up and into like the cubby room. It was just me, the GP, and the vaccinator. And he's like, I assumed that it was pre-diluted, like already diluted because the other ones I gave were. And that's almost a quote. <laughs> so I'm like, you're assuming stuff. I mean, it's too late. It's not like, you know, you can give me a refund on it. I mean, it's now in my body for good. You can't just say sorry. You know what I mean? Or exchange the product. I mean, it's not like that. It's like, it's now, it's, I mean, there's no taking it back, really. They wrote up an incident report internally, and I was obviously wanting like evidence and proof. So I'm like, got a picture of it. I made them write up a more professional letter saying what happened and what's going on because I said to them, well, if I go home, right, and they're not going to let me fly now to come back to school because. I'm not double jab. They made a letter for me saying essentially what happened and that they recommend waiting at least eight weeks, but I should still get my second dose, even though there's absolutely no data to back up that I need the second dose or well, you've just had six times the normal amount. Surely, theoretically, you're set for how many years? Plus, I already had the natural immunity. Exactly. So after that, the buses out that way of town are not regular or good. So then I walked basically like an hour back. Like I'm obviously not in like the best shape ever, but I'm also not unfit. And like there's a Tesco's across the road from the site. And I went there first and I had not a heavy bag, like just a normal shop, just one bag. And I noticed like I was breathing weird. I don't know. I didn't really want to risk it because again, doctor originally said when it happened, just go home. You'll be fine. If anything happens or rain, he didn't even want to like, he didn't want me to be there anymore. Like as soon as I got my two sheets of paper or one sheet of paper and one photo, he didn't even want, like he, they were basically pushing me out. You feel fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just go home and lay low. I obviously talked with my mom and I went to the hospital cause I had like, shortness of breath. It was fast. Like I was breathing in my mouth too. I never breathed out of my mouth. Like just walking. I'm like, okay, something is up. So I spent two and a half days in the hospital. I didn't speak to a doctor until they discharged me. You didn't speak to one? The doctor didn't come and talk to me until they discharged me. It was just nurses doing routine shit, like blood pressure and temperature checks, really. That's all that happened there. We have a family friend that's a an MD, like a GP here. And I asked the nurses if I could get a D-dimer test, D-dimer, however you pronounce it. They were just dismissed the idea and shot it down saying it won't show anything yet. It hasn't had a long enough time in your body. It might be true. I'm not sure, obviously, but if one doctor's recommending it and I have a nurse saying no, that's mm. odd. And then it just doesn't really add up why. Like they just did not want anything to do with me, really. The entire, like at the hospital or at the clinic, like they, I don't know why. They did not treat me well. The National Health Service in, um, in Britain is is almost you can't criticize them you're not allowed to it's almost like a bit of a religion here in the uk where if you criticize or you you say anything out of place against it that means you hate nurses doctors you hate everything that they do it is like a cult unfortunately you said that you've noted down as well all the actions that happened and all the the symptoms that were occurring since you were you were put under watch in the hospital as soon as I got told I had the six doses, I started documenting in my phone what's going on or whatever. When they first took me in the from the A&E, the nurse, his name was Sean. He was the probably the best nurse I had. He right away went on the phone and tried to um, call Pfizer 
UK headquarters for, to look for advice because this was the first case at the hospital, which is contradicting to what the site manager said at the vaccine clinic. Apparently it happened before and everything worked out fine. But the GP at the, at the vaccine clinic said it was the first time seeing this. And at the hospital, the hospital is also the first time. So I'm not sure if there's a bit of lying just to try to get me out the door or not. Pfizer UK, this is what from what I was told in the A&E from the nurse, but Pfizer UK didn't have any information and they called the headquarters in the States. What I was told from the nurse is that they don't have any like specialty doctor type plan on call on the weekends. So we have to wait until Monday. In my perspective, you know, monitor me until Monday, call them and see what they say, and then go from there. But as soon as I got moved up into the ward and out of the A&E room or section, everything changed because obviously I was in urgent need of anything. But meanwhile, no one knows what really was going on, right? It's just a, a quite a bizarre yet surreal kind of story, isn't it? Because you don't ever hear of people receiving um, these vaccines without someone checking, without someone doing a routinely check and making sure that, fine, if, if Pfizer needs to be diluted, it needs to be diluted. Surely everyone should have been briefed on that. Yeah, in, in this case, it's almost like these doctors didn't know what they were doing. They weren't briefed. The GP at the vaccine site, um, I know it was first just me and him in the in the little like cubby room. I'm not sure exactly what he said, but something along the lines of, I don't know how he fit six doses of the Pfizer into the syringe because I, I don't know the measurements. Obviously, I'm not sure. Right, sure. but he said it would be it would have been hard to get everything out of the vial and got it in my arm. That's what the doc like the doctor said that. How do you feel? Is the main question. I got home on the Monday, like late afternoon, early afternoon, and I didn't go. Like my doctor from home said, just miss class, lay low, don't overdo yourself. And I probably slept about ninety percent of that time. I get spurts of like very, very, very tired, and then spurts of like energy. Overall, like sometimes you know there'll be something that feels weird, but it only lasts for like a second. But I obviously note it down. I haven't done anything exuberant or anything i haven't uh done more walking than 15 minutes 20 minutes at a time really what's your next action what's your what's your next um move well i've already tried to contact a few solicitors for medical negligence or that was mainly the reason like the reason i reached out to them and none will take the case because there's no significant harm directly caused by their negligence at least yet so I have three years to make a claim, but as of now, unless something really bad happens, I don't doing it off at this. I mean, I can call and make a complaint to the third party vaccine company, but I mean, what's that? They're going to get a slap on the wrist, really. Right now, I'm trying to get an exemption, even if it's a temporary one, at least I can finish the school year. So I don't want, like, I can wait a while to get to the, the next dose if I have to. I don't really want to at all. Stay low, don't overdo myself and... Hopefully everything pans out, really. I mean, you don't really know, right? It's a guessing game. Rebel News have started a pandemic whistleblowers campaign to help us bring truth to the public. And just a little bit more about it. At Rebel News, we do appreciate the bravery of anyone who has come forward with information. And that's why we created an intake form for whistleblowers to come forward and expose some important details. Please fill out this form on this page 
here. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.